Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different. Different. This is NOCO FM. There's something mysterious and whole that existed before heaven and earth, silent and formless, completely and never changing, living eternally everywhere in perfection. It is the mother of all things. I do not know its name. I call it The Way by Lao Tzu. Today, I am joined by Hallie Eigelhart Austin as we talk about her book, the Heart of the Goddess, Art, Myth, and Meditations of the World's Sacred Feminine. The Art of the Goddess, culled from cultures around the world, has the potential to change the dominant narrative about human nature and about women's creativity, beauty, and power. I'm so thankful to have Hallie on the show today as we explore the divine feminine and move into our own hearts as we all embrace the heart of the goddess. This is a spark, and I'm your host, Stephanie James. I just was thrilled looking through your book. We're going to be talking about your book today, The Heart of the Goddess, Art, Myth, and Meditation of the World's Sacred Feminine. And just just looking through the pictures of that book, Hallie, it was absolutely wonderful. I mean, wonderful is not even the word. I it just mm-hmm. I was captivated and looking at uh, the way that you have formatted that book is so delightful because of the meditations that follow after you speak about each goddess. Yeah, I really wanted to be able to convey the richness of the world's heritage, which all of us from cultures all over the world, no matter what our racial or spiritual heritage, we all have ancestors who honored the sacred feminine, who honored the goddess. And there's still many cultures that that do today. And I really wanted to do a book that showed the range of human uh, inspiration and the beauty of it too. And I did this book because I started teaching about the, what I call it, but my first class in 1974 was called Feminist Spirituality, Spiritual Feminism. And I would show what few images I could find to show people that goddesses really did exist in human culture and that the last 5,000 years in which they've been very much demoted were just a blip in human history. And what I found is every time I was preparing to teach a class, when I'd look at the images preparing, I always felt better. It didn't matter what, how I'd been feeling beforehand. I thought, oh, these are healing. They're comforting. They're inspiring. And so I really wanted to do a book to make that available to everyone, not just women, but men as well. I mean, I've gotten letters from men saying how much it helped them, even one man who had the book as a teenager growing up and how wonderful that was. And another woman who was a teenager using the book saying it was her Bible when she was growing Mm. up. And I think, my, it must have been amazing to be a teenager and have those images and read those myths and those stories and do those meditations really, really um, empowering. Well, and I think that's an important thing to note is your original book was published in 1990. And now you've created this new edited version that's going to be released. Is it next week? Yes. October Uh 17th. 
So what, what inspired you to create this new edited version? Well, I had some people who were always telling me I should get the book back in print. And to be really honest, I tried on my own and about 10 years ago and didn't work. I, w- I do want to say it was also published in Japan in the Japanese edition where it was very popular, very interesting. And this time it just happened to be right. Of course, a year ago when Monkfish agreed to publish it, we didn't know all of what was going to be happening. But at the time is really right. And the cover of the 6,000-year-old bird-headed snake goddess with her arms raised to the sky, calling down all the energies of the heavens and drawing up all the energy of the earth is really perfect and really appropriate for now. And we also added a few more images and two new introductions. My introduction, just kind of catching up from 30 years ago when I wrote the book and where we are now and why we basically, we need the goddesses now more than ever. And then I also invited a young friend of mine, a 33-year-old, to write an introduction from her perspective. And that I was really blown away by what she had to write and how beautifully she wrote about how important it is for her generation as a millennial to have this wisdom, this knowledge, and these images. Well, especially, you know, the part that I connected with too was this whole connection right now with the Me Too movement. And that mm-hmm. was some of what she was speaking of in her foreword. Yeah, she was uh, she was addressing that and other aspects of, of what millennials' lives are like now. Um, the need for inspiring models and getting back more into the earth and so forth. Um, it's interesting. There are two myths I have in the book, and I'm sure there are more worldwide, where sexual violence against women results in the death of the world. Mm-hmm. One is... Um, that we may be more familiar with, which is the Greek myth of Demeter and Persephone, where the world dies for half the year, while Persephone, who is the the earth goddess Demeter's daughter, has to remain in the underworld, where she's been abducted by Hades, the god of the underworld. And so Demeter says, my daughter is gone, that's it for, you know, everything, I can't tend to the earth, and everything starts to die. And then finally... Hades agrees to let her go six months of the year. So that was the Greek explanation for why we have spring and summer and then fall and winter. But also in Japanese mythology, the sun goddess Amaterasu, one of her attendants was violated. And so she went into a cave and hid and said, I'm I'm not, you know, I'm not coming back out. I'm not coming back out. And everything started to die on the earth. And then it's a great story. I won't tell the whole story, but the 10,000 gods and goddesses got together and had a party and made so much noise that she got curious and came back out. And they'd set up a mirror and she saw her radiance in the mirror and she realized how important it was that she stay in the world. So she came back out. And interestingly, also in both of these myths, it's uh, the erotic humor of a a woman elder that brings the goddess around. This is the wisdom that we have to contemplate from the world. Well, and I love this part where she's coming out and realizing, as I think this this is what I feel in this woman's movement that's happening now, is that 
the, the feminine is so needed in our culture and in our world today. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, of course, you know, in our culture, the mirror is something about vanity. But traditionally, we can see in this myth of Amaterasu, the Japanese sun goddess, it's about recognizing your power. So if we can look in mirrors, whether they're actual physical mirrors or just whatever kind of energetic or psychic mirror and see our strength, our beauty, not beauty in the sense of comparative beauty, but just our beauty of being alive and come forward. And of course, I also want to emphasize that the feminine is so important, or the sacred feminine, whatever you want, somebody wants to call it, is so important for boys and men as well, because it's been even more suppressed in them. So that none of us can be truly human when we're suppressing parts of ourselves. So I, I want to talk about that. And, and one of the things that I think is really important that you just said is that this mirror, it's for all of us as we're looking into, and it really is, it's not about the physical self. It's about reflecting into our pure essence. Beautiful. Yeah, that's beautifully put. Yes, who we truly are, which is miracles. I mean, we're all miracles. I My primary meditation practice the last 10 years has been qigong which is a move movement form you're familiar with that which the tai chi and the martial arts come from a very ancient chinese form and i also teach it and in that we tap into the energy of the universe and draw it inside ourselves and when if we just spend a moment going inside ourselves, we realize there are miracles going on all the time. I mean, our digestive system, our respiration, you know, recovering from a broken bone or a wound, it's miracles. We are walking miracles and we've forgotten it. Right. It's, it's that we're not just a part of the universe. There are universes going on inside of us. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And it's, I think it's so important for us to recognize the gifts that we have of just being alive and also the gifts that we have to offer. So it's important to be able to take time to go inside and see who we truly are, not who we've told that we should be. So I do, and having said that, I do offer the images of the sacred feminine to, as a balance to some of the negative images that we've been, um, exposed to most of us all our lives. And with the pro proliferation of media, it becomes even more intense. So that's why I think it's really important to balance those out with the positive images. Now, I'm not saying that all these images are easy to look at. I mean, I have a whole section of death and rebirth, and our culture is so afraid of death. But by seeing how other cultures have worked with death or processed death or done rituals around death, we can learn to reclaim this, this part of life. So I want to touch back on, you know, how can men relate to this divine feminine within them when so often, as you said, that that piece is repressed. And when, you know, when they talk about anima and animas, which is male mm -hmm. and female, mm -hmm. you know, the yin and yang energies within mm -hmm. us, Oftentimes, it is true that 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 males suppress the feminine, that that has not been societally, maybe, or culturally in some cultures, okay. So how do men relate to and how can they also embrace this divine feminine? There's three different parts of what 
I think I want to say one is our cult rec first recognizing how hyper masculine our culture is. That's one piece. So none of us can be truly human. But women, girls have a bit of a head start because we're, it's okay for us to be feminine. And it's even okay for girls to be tomboys. That's, that's, you know, humorous or tolerated or even admired, but it's not okay for boys to be sissies. So there's a real imbalance right there. So I think for men looking at the toll, perhaps that this hypermasculine roles that they're put in, it takes on them, the, the number of men who die of heart attacks. I mean, it's, it's, it's so, to me, so clear. So many men die of heart attacks. Men are told to repress their emotions. They're told not to cry. I read somewhere that uh, tears are actually very important. They release toxins. So if we don't cry, whether it's women or men, if we don't really allow ourselves to really cry, to grieve or mourn or whatever, express our feelings, we're keeping those toxins inside of ourselves. And that's can only have a detrimental effect on our health. So I think looking, that's just one example of the negative aspects of health. And then there's the, the negative aspects, uh, effects on relationships as well. So I think that men being present at birth and men fathering, men taking care of their children is a, has been a big step. I think that's really important. I think also getting parental leave for men, it, more parental leave. I was just reading an article about in Sweden, and it was saying that there are men who can take up to six to 12 months of paternity leave. And they're the ones, some of, you know, it was an article about the ones who are primarily raising the children because they are given time off. So lobbying for more parental leave is really important. That's not just important for the men, it's important for the women and for the children as well, of course, so the babies, they're not separated from their parents. So I also think that men reading the stories and looking at the images of the goddesses and, and maybe resonating with how does that feel to them? Um, what are there parts of themselves that they can relate to in these stories? And I think that most of the stories people find they don't seem either what we call feminine or masculine. They're just people. I mean, as one of my associates said, you know, if I'm rushing to protect my child, I'm not feeling masculine. I'm just being a strong woman. And so therefore a man feeling emotions, you know, feeling grief or vulnerability is not being feminine. He's being a tender, you know, an open, responsive human being. A man. So it's getting away from these ideas of the masculine and feminine being so separated. I think they, you know, obviously they are different, but they're not this vast difference. They're much closer to get, we're all much closer together. Well, and you talked about this, this concept of being a true human. Mm -hmm. I love and, that. So people that aren't familiar with that, what is the definition of that? And how can we become more true humans? True human. So the true human is from a, what I think is a pretty rare Taoist text that someone gave me about 20 years ago. It's, it's a book about uh, women Taoists, Taoism being the pre-Confucian earth religion in China. And it's what the Qigong comes from. It's very egalitarian, very earth-based, um, non-hierarchical. It's pretty, you know, you just, you are who you are. And Taoism, to be really honest to me, has always been very mysterious. So it's about going through all these different processes 
to make yourself more of a true human, which we might call is enlightened person. That's my guess. You know, I don't really know, but I'm guessing it's like, that's what a truly awake, aware person is, is what we call enlightened, but they in these texts call a true human. I love that. It, and it really is, I, as you were just saying, I think as we become enlightened or more enlightened, we realize it's not about being male or female. It's about being human. It's about being human and about being part of the great, incredible web of life in our universe. Yeah. Part of our shared humanity mm -hmm. and our connectedness. So let me ask you something about the book. You know, in The Heart of the Goddess, you provide the reader with this sketch of the historical, archaeological, mythological, anthropological context in which these images of the goddess existed or were found. So what makes exploring the history of the world's goddesses and the divine feminine so important in our world oh, today? Well, it's so important to know what our potential is as humans. That's primarily the main reason. So if we learn about Minoan Crete, which was a culture that the height of it was about 3,500 years ago on the island of Crete in the Mediterranean, if we learn that they had a very sophisticated culture, beautiful nature-centered art, women are prominent, and if we learn that they lived in peace for a thousand years, and that that's only one of several goddess-centered cultures that ancient cultures that did live in peace for a thousand years, we know that we have this potential. And that to me is very inspiring. Or if we know that there are cultures that really honored, as do many shamanic cultures today, really honored the states of meditation or trance or journeying as ways of accessing other forms of knowledge, not just linear or book-oriented, not quantifiable knowledge that they're other ways, like I think of the uh, sea goddess of the Arctic, who, one of whose names is Sedna, who I have in the book. It's a mermaid with the big smile on her face holding a fish. If the, the tradition is, there are many traditions about Sedna, but one of them that really struck me as someone who's done a lot of environmental work is that if, if, there, if something has gone off in the fishing and there isn't enough food, the shaman must travel in a journey to visit the goddess Sedna at the depths of the sea and atone for whatever the people have done wrong. And traditionally he combs, he imagines he's, or she imagines she's combing out or is combing out the goddess's hair. And the goddess says, you know, you shouldn't have caught, you shouldn't have been overfishing in this area or you shouldn't be catching so many young fish, goes back to the people and says, Okay, here's what we need to do to, you know, make the food supply more plentiful. What if we did that? I mean, we were, you know, we we're totally decimating the seas. What if we listened to wisdom from other sources besides the source of, of greed? How powerful that would be, how transformative that would be. Yeah, and, and also we would all be so much healthier too. I mean, I'm, they, I imagine a lot of people who listen to your show do do practices that nourish them. And I also think in this incredibly busy, overactive, hypermasculine do-do-do world, we could all do more and be happier and healthier. And I really love that piece of coming into our inner selves, you know, in our inner sea, if you will, 
for that mm -hmm. guidance, for that higher wisdom that doesn't always exist exteriorly if we're yeah. trying to find it in the world. Yes. I mean, we live in a world of night and day and waking and sleeping. I mean, if you think about sleeping, it's like, wow, why, why do we do this? Well, obviously, we have a biological need to do it for a reason. And it's to me, it's similarly going within while we're awake and accessing our, our inner knowledge. It's the balance between being and doing. And we're very much in a doing culture. And there are other cultures that are more being. And we, we admire, we envy these cultures. I mean, like, you know, Hawaii or somewhere. It's like, oh, how wonderful. Oh, you know, go visit there and maybe absorb some of it. And aren't you lucky? Well, that's more of a being culture. As most indigenous cultures, including, you know, European or whatever cultures that are no longer indigenous, what we think of as indigenous cultures, we all were much more in incorporating that mode of being along with the doing. Well, and speaking of that, how would you describe then, because it is very much a being essence, um, the nature of the goddess? Well, actually, that's a really good question, because the, their goddess is also very active, for sure. Um, there are many dynamic, um, even fierce goddesses. And yet there is also this being quality in, if we can say, the great goddess of Illendorf, the ancient European ones, where you just she just is the earth, just being. It's that's how the the earth is more what I would call in being. The trees, from our perspective at least, trees are much more. They're just there. They're not running around doing things and this, that, and the other. So, it's all about coming into balance. You know, I don't think I need to convince people of this. I, at least all the people I know, you know, are kind of bemoaning how much they're running around or how busy they are. And wanting to access back into being more of, you know, a human being instead of mm -hmm. a human doing. Yeah. And, and that becomes, definitely. yeah, how, how, how we can access that piece. So historically speaking, how has the goddess been represented and how has this changed now in our modern world? Well, originally, it appears that we had originally, maybe thousands or tens of thousands of years ago, or even before that, maybe there was no concept of a goddess. There just was this life force. And then at some point, and I really want to emphasize that because I only use the word goddess because it's useful. Actually, for years when I was first teaching, I didn't want to use the word goddess because I was afraid people would think it meant some externalized figure of like God in a dress or something like that, that's, you know, some remote authoritarian or separate being. The goddess is us. We are the earth. To me, the goddess is the life force. So at some point, people start identifying females with this idea of what was to be revered. And perhaps it's because they saw that women could give birth. I mean, they could create life. I mean, this is so amazing. Then they could nourish this life and they could give birth to their opposite, you know, a son. This must have been, you know, miraculous. And so people honored this. And then for whatever reason, things started to shift 5,000 years ago. There are different theories and the goddess started being demoted and this idea of the sky god, the earth goddess, there was earth goddess, and then this idea of the sky god, which we have in 
the Judeo-Christian religion. I don't even I don't want to say it, it's in Islam because I don't think they really have a you know they don't have images of the of the sacred so I can't say where that is. But in any case this idea of a, a god it's in the sky separate from us and that was one transition and then as we can see in Greek mythology that if any of us grew up in Greek mythology as I did the, the goddesses are still there but they're demoted and they're fragmented and they're competing with one another and then in Christianity at least you have the Virgin Mary and she's really only acknowledged much in Catholicism and she's pretty passive and she's pretty watered down compared with her predecessors that's my perception of her i mean i know there are people have looked into more who was mary really was so that's what's happened historically and that reflects the status of women throughout the ages and that's you know we think well what it's just a myth well myth is a shorthand for our history and we're still creating myths today of you know what's important, you know how do you get what you want, and they're creating our reality. So that's why it's really important to choose our own myths. What myths do we want to have? What images do we want to have around ourselves? What do we want to teach our children? Today, you know, in the last 20, 30 years, there have been people reclaiming the goddess and bring you know researching when images and writing books and honoring the goddesses and there have been more female teachers coming forth in all different from all different backgrounds but when i first started teaching what i called woman's spirit in the 70s i remember going to bookstore in berkeley and looking on the shelf and there were two books on the feminine women's spirituality or the goddess and now there's a lot more so that's how it's shifting but we're just in the beginning of this, um, hopefully bringing things more back into balance. And I can't say enough how important the goddesses are for us today, because if you, first off, if you empower women, I'll just talk about empowering women, but if you empower the feminine, but let's just start with empowering women, everything changes. If women are empowered, then we have more women running for office, like we have a record number happening now. If women around the world are empowered, we are able to reverse climate change. That comes from Paul Hawken and his group and, and their book and his book Drawdown about their project. It's quite phenomenal. It says if you take the two of the top two ways of reversing climate change, not just stopping it, but reversing it. And one is educating girls, and the other is empowering women to have control of their bodies. If you combine the two of those, you have the number one way to reverse climate change. So there are ways that empowering women totally transform society. And I mean, I could go on and on. The, there's record numbers of women entering medical school. Wow, if we start having the healers be people who are raised to be nurturing, doesn't that make everything better? And is as Christiana Figueres, who is the primary architect of the Paris Climate Agreement, said when she was asked about women working in the climate change movement, she said, well, I really think, you know, if just look, if you have 100% of your human resources, aren't you going to be better off than if you're just drawing on 50% of them? 
Programming on NoCo FM is supported by its listeners and by Audible.com. With over 180,000 titles to choose from, Audible.com allows you to listen to an immense library of books for every taste on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, tablet, or computer. Audible.com has a special offer for listeners which includes a free audiobook of your choice and a 30-day free trial. Learn more and get your free audiobook now at noco.fm slash audible. Here's something you might not know. NoCo FM is also a podcast network producing one-of-a-kind programming like the show you're enjoying right now. We have talk shows, original comedy, music shows curated by real people, and a lot more. So if you like what you're hearing, make NoCo FM a part of your day and tell your friends. Remember, that's www.noco.fm. It's interesting to me too, you know, you're, you're saying in the 70s is, is when you, you know, first were looking at these books on the shelf. I, I'm curious about your own personal connection, you know, your own personal passion mm. for this. Mm. Where did, where mm. did that ignite in you? Uh, that's an interesting question. You know, looking back, I think some of the seeds were in my education because I started, I was at a school that offered ancient Greek to a few of us when I was 12 years old. So I was studying that and I was reading Edith Hamilton's book of Greek mythology and I read it. It's a very thick book. I read it from beginning to end. And when I finished it, I started back at the beginning again. I mean, I was just, I was intrigued. I was fascinated. And I did major in classics at college, in college for a while. Um, because I think I was just always drawn to these ancient cultures. I didn't know why. I mean, now I know that if I could have reached back in time a little beyond the ancient Greeks, I would have touched into the goddess cultures. And so for me, it really is about, well, originally back when I was in my early 20s, it was about feeling good about myself. And really, um, it was a very basic part of my beginning to dismantle the, some of the conditioning that I'd been raised with. And then it became about wanting to help other women dismantle that. But it was also about honoring what was essential to us, um, finding out that there were other people who honored emotions, who honored the earth, that thought spirituality could, could and should be non-hierarchical, that we could meet in circles and so forth and so on. So to me now and for most of my life consciously, I think it's been about the earth and all her children, really wanting to protect the oceans, wanting to protect the earth, wanting to protect the animals, wanting to protect the humans. And how do we do that? We start bringing ourselves back into balance because we've out of ba- been out of balance for a long time. And... As we all know, if we don't write this balance, we're going to destroy ourselves and many other creatures along with us. We already are. So the powerful thing that I'm hearing in that is that through your own personal journey, it it is that. It's like as you reclaim your sacred feminine and as you, you know, embarked upon this journey, then it's it that is what you bring then to the world. That's the gift then through bringing yourself into balance, through, you know, really embracing yourself. 
embracing that inner feminine um, and who you truly are. Yeah, and it's interesting because, as I said, I only use the word goddess because it's it works or something, not because I think that's what the ultimate goal is. But also same with feminine, you know, I'm like, oh, I don't really want to use that word because it's misleading and it emphasizes the, the division, but it's, you got to use the language of the culture you're trying to change is what I realized to myself, because I'm, as you were saying this, I realized, oh yes, as I reclaimed, you know, the, the feminine, I became stronger. Yeah. Is it, so that's really interesting because I have to share this with you because it just, it's, it, it points to what, exactly what we're talking about. I, um, last summer, I went to a Tony Robbins event. And are you familiar with him? I've done firewalking with a student of his. Okay. Actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I did firewalking too with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things, you, you got a personal session with a private life coach as part of that package. And when I met with the life coach, I had spoken with him for about three minutes and he said, wow, you have a lot of masculine energy. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, you would really be powerful if you really got in touch with your feminine energy, even more so. And I really had to think about that. You know, I I think sometimes as women too, we're so driven or we may be, you know, certain Mm -hmm. women are very driven and, and that that can also still be a feminine characteristic. Like you're talking about with the goddesses, you know, they can be powerful and nurturing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I didn't necessarily agree with him. I think truly the what we're looking for is that balance that we can embrace and, yeah. as women too, that that we have to, for one thing, we have to embrace, of course, you know, the, the wonderful feminine within us, that nurturing goddess self, and that we can also just like as we're um, inviting men to do and asking them to embrace their feminine, that we can embrace that, if you want to call it, quote unquote, masculine qualities and still be fully feminine. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. And what I was thinking, you know, I've been using the word balance and I heard you just using the word balance and I thought, oh, you know, really it's, I think it's about integration. Yes, I was just thinking that. Yes, integration. Yes, exactly. So we have these, these qualities that we have called feminine and masculine, we have them flowing together and ultimately becoming you know, like water and ultimately becoming one. So that's my hope is that at some point there won't be, oh, that's masculine or that's feminine. We won't have to talk in those terms. We'll go, we'll say, oh, that's tender or, oh, that's, you know, strong or, you know, whatever. We, we get a little, we get more actually accurate and truthful and name the qualities. Exactly. Instead of differentiating them to, oh, this is a masculine quality or this is a yeah. feminine. Like yeah. you were saying, maybe it could just be a true human quality. Exactly. Exactly. And these are human qualities. And what a loss to all of us if we can't integrate them, if we can't embrace all of who we are. Well, and like you're saying, that is what our world needs right now more than oh, ever yeah. at this point where we're at. Personally, for you, what goddess do you most identify with or resonate with and why? It changes from time to time, depending on what's going on in my life. But I keep coming back to the Guan Yin or the Green Tara in the Royal Ease pose. They're the ones who are seated with one foot on the ground 
and one foot tucked up underneath them. They're sitting on a, a seat or cabbage or a throne, depending various art that I have in the book. So they're completely, and I ask people to take this pose. I ask people to take the poses of the images that they see because you get experiences, you get wisdom that way that you wouldn't get from reading or thinking about it. When we take that pose, we feel that centeredness and groundedness, yet Green Tara and Kuan Yin, which are Tibetan Buddhist and Chinese, respectively, they are ready to get up and help when it's needed, but it's coming from a grounded, centering place. It's not coming from a reactive, I have to sacrifice myself and I have to give everything. It's a very grounded but ready to help. It's so it's we've been talking about connecting inwardly, but she's ready to also act out of compassion. And that's what we all need now so much is to be acting out of compassion, getting involved, changing this world in a very specific, practical ways. The goddess is not about just meditating on, you know, a mountaintop somewhere. She is in the world. She is healing. She is acting. So it is, it is really, it is not only going inward, but it is, it's like that compassion. And I, I almost get the image of just these hands opening up and extending Beautiful. outwards, you know, yeah. that, that, this is where we go from this inner place where we're in touch with our essence and then we bring it outwards and we can extend that to the world with these helping hands. Exactly. And staying grounded and rooted in the earth and in ourselves. Also, I want to do want to mention if people want to see the images also online, they can go to my website and see some videos as well. And that's heartgoddess.net or heartofthegoddess.net. And but best, of course, is having the book and yes. being able to live with the goddesses. Yes. I, I do want to make a plug, too, for the for the website. You have a wonderful meditation on that website that people can access, which is a meditation with images of the goddess. So yes. that, that's available as well. Yeah, it's gotten a lot of views. And I think it's because people find the looking at the images as healing as I did almost 50 years ago. As we wrap up our interview, how can listeners, people listening to this, how can they tune into their own divine feminine energy, whether male or female? What is one of the ways that, that you see as an access point for people to tune into this? Well, one of them, which I mentioned, which is really is very powerful, is looking at the images and taking the pose, taking the pose of the goddess and feeling what it feels like to be in that state, what, and, and then seeing if there are any messages. And another one is also just going and sitting or walking on the earth and speaking and listening to the earth. What, is the, what messages does the earth have for us, whether it's a tree or a mountain or a, um, a little stream or a, just a flower you have in a vase at your house? There's, um, this is called what I call listening to Gaia, and I learned it from a Hawaiian kahuna, and it's very powerful. So taking the poses and listening to Gaia. Well, Hallie, thank you so very much for being with me here on The Spark. I, I just have enjoyed so much this time with you and being able to share this wonderful book with the world and, and hopefully bring more awareness to people being in touch with this divine feminine. And thank you so much for this gift. That's, that's your book. 
Thank you. It was wonderful being able to spend time in the heart of the goddess with you, Stephanie. I loved my interview with Hallie Eigelhart Austin and so appreciated her insight in the integration of our male and female energies in each one of us and how important that is that we become what she called and had gotten from the Tao, true humans. And as true humans, we no longer define ourselves as male or female, that actually we begin to define ourselves just by our characteristics, compassionate, loving, giving, strong, powerful, that those are the characteristics of someone who is truly human, instead of just differentiating those to male or female. Through her book, so many powerful images that help us reclaim this feminine within ourselves is available to us. And again, no matter whether you're male or female, it seems important that we can begin to do this inward journey where we're able to access these places within ourselves where we can see the divine within us and we look for the answers within us. And then we bring those from kind of this higher state of being into our greater world. Not all of us are as fortunate to have these kind of influences at a young age. And oftentimes we are influenced so heavily by our culture, our families of origin, and as Don Miguel Ruiz said in his book, The Four Agreements, oftentimes we become domesticated and we lose that wild spirit, which is our true essence and our spark. So part of this journey and why I'm hearing that this book is so important is that it embraces our ability to come back and to be in touch with the sacred within ourselves. We are at a crucial time in our world's evolution where it's imperative that we all begin this journey within so that we can bring our own unique individual gifts to the greater whole. So we can share our gifts with the world and with the rest of humanity so that we can begin to make the change in our world. Just like Gandhi said, become the change you want to see in the world. So each one of us can begin to do that as we work on and change ourselves and embrace within us both the masculine and divine feminine as we heal ourselves and heal our world. Remember, The Spark is your show too. If you have questions, feedback on the show, or if you're going through something and need a little help, we'd love to hear from you. Continue the conversation with us at our website, thesparkpod.com, and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. New episodes of The Spark air Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Mountain. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. The show is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional and should not be considered medical advice. If you're having a mental or physical health crisis, please seek treatment immediately. The Spark is produced by NOCO Media Limited, which is solely responsible for its content. Thanks again for listening. This has been The Spark. 
igniting your best life. I'm Stephanie James. This has been a production of NOCO FM. Programming on NOCO FM is supported by its listeners and by Audible.com. With over 180,000 titles to choose from, Audible.com allows you to listen to an immense library of books for every taste on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, tablet, or computer. Audible.com has a special offer for listeners which includes a free audiobook of your choice and a 30-day free trial. Learn more and get your free audiobook now at noco.fm audible. NOCO FM is a 24-7 internet radio station. A little different, isn't it? Always streaming at www.noco.fm. We play all types of music from all over the world. Rock, hip-hop, indie, electronic. Everything has a place at NOCO FM. Well, except for bluegrass. There are other places that you can hear that. Thank you for listening to NOCO FM.